What's going on people, it's your boy Izzy and welcome to another episode of Speak Your Truth with myself and today is a special day, it's a Sunday which means that by default it's already a special day uh, but also because we've got a very very special guest um, I'm not going to waste any time with the intro, I'm just going to introduce him straight away it's the leader of Christchurch Spitterfield, Darren Wolf. how are you? Hey, Izzy, it is great to be here. This is like, that. wow, talk about build-up. That's phenomenal. Uh, um, no, it's really good to be here. It's amazing. Uh, uh, like, yeah, as you say, Sunday mm. is a pretty full-on day, but mm. this is, uh, um, it's great to be talking to you. Amazing. Yeah, it's, and it's great to have you on. Um, have you done a podcast like this before, like... Anything similar? Uh, similar stuff, yeah. Right, yeah. Similar. Other people's podcasts and okay. uh, a little bit of local radio. Local. <laughs> <laughs> we love our local radio. <laughs> that's cool, that's cool. So this shouldn't be anything new. Um, but essentially, the, the reason why I, I wanted to get you on, uh, Darren, is because sometimes we feel as though we, we hold leaders on this pedestal, like these mm. untouchables. Um, like We only see them as a stereotype. We put them in this box. Um, when in actual fact, like you guys are human too, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I guess it's been said. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I, I want I want people to know that that yeah. side of you, but also, you know, you didn't get to leadership by just being an, an average human, right? You, you you are anointed. You also have that that um, that wisdom on you, and I'm I'm hoping to kind of pick that apart a little bit today. Well, me too. <laughs> I'd love to see some more of that wisdom. <laughs> um, but before we get into any of that, um, why do you? quickly give a rundown as to yeah who you are what you yeah. do and all of that jazz no absolutely uh, so i haven't been a christian all my life um i uh, am from essex i grew up in essex um and uh my family was a pretty standard uh, white working class family basically uh, like they got divorced when i was my mum and dad got divorced uh, when i was 10 uh, and um, so I was just brought up by my mum uh, with uh, two brothers and one sister, so four of us, a uh, single parent family uh, on a council estate. And um, yeah, sort of uh, <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the most auspicious like start in life, mm. um, but education kind of really kind of, uh, I don't know, reading, I was, I was quite bright at school mm. and I was encouraged uh, and so made it to university um, and got a decent job mm-hmm. um, and you know sort of ended up in jobs in uh, public sector management and stuff like that um, and then uh, one weekend I'd just been out clubbing uh, Friday night Saturday night stumbled into the back of a church on Sunday morning and uh, started hearing stuff about Jesus mm. and really that was the beginning of a story to like just handing my life and all the messed up stuff and all of that backstory handing that over to Jesus mm. and saying you can do something amazing with this I'm sure wow. uh, and he has done wow so, there you go love that that was very concise <laughs> um but there's also a lot in there and you know I, I do I do want to spend a couple of minutes kind of unpacking some of that stuff as well um you know you, you mentioned that it was this event almost that kick-started everything for you um and I know that when I speak to my non-christian friends they they find that very hard to believe how mm. your life can go from not really believing that there's anything out there to now being a leader of a church, right? Mm. Like, yeah. Um, this, this, yeah, this, 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 this middle ground of like just instant change. How, how would you describe that? If, if you can, the, the transition from not believing in God and into now yeah. being here. Yeah. So the middle ground, that space for me was like about like at least a year and a half. Um, between like you know dropping into I speed it up just because if I go for all the different bits it's like we'd be we could be here for a long time but mm-hmm. um, except, you know falling into the back of a church uh, to saying Jesus take everything like that was uh, not not far short of two years mm-hmm. uh, and that involved sort of exploring kind of you know like reading the Bible talking to people uh, exploring other faiths mm. um, you know pressing into all those things I'm sort of like quite a little bit head focused so I was like I'd do a lot of reading and a lot of like intellectual stuff um, and um, yeah and and talking to people who are already following Jesus and finding out kind of what do they do how do they do it mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of like you know that sort of like got to a point I suppose a point of crisis there was a whole load of things going on mm-hmm. uh, that were sort of I was struggling to deal with um, 
and uh, and that was the point at which I was like, man, I really need I really need some help here, and I've been hearing about how much of a help Jesus can be. Mm. So that was where I went. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I I, I do find that fascinating. And one one thing that I, I really want to kind of stick on a little bit is, is this word journey, because mm. I think we don't place enough emphasis on the journey when mm. it comes to believing um because a lot of the miracles that we hear in church a lot of the testimonies a lot of the alpha stories you know is is about this the holy spirit day right yeah. you know that the um they were christian and then this day they felt the holy spirit and then they gave their life to christ and that was it yeah. but in actual fact there's a lot more it's a there's a lot more than that yeah. um and i guess the question i'm asking is um, how how important is it for people to understand that there is a journey needed to really mm. come into being a believer in Christ? Yeah, uh, it is a journey. Uh, or I mean, that's why Jesus, you know, invites us. It's a, it's a you know, follow me. Mm. It's kind of like that's the invitation is follow me. Mm. Um, and um, you know, following implies that Jesus is going somewhere and you're going to be tagging along yeah. behind. Um, and uh, it is a journey and it's kind of like although yes there are key moments and obviously there's a, there's that key moment like you know when I said yes Jesus do whatever you want um, but that was the that was if you like that that marked the boundary between I hadn't committed completely to Jesus and then afterwards I had mm. um, but it wasn't that everything changed mm, mm, it's mm. like that was the beginning of like a number of things then that God started to do in my life there were some things that happened straight away you know went home deleted a lot of numbers off my phone right uh, <laughs> of you know people that I didn't want to be in touch with anymore yeah. eventually I had to change my phone number because they would get in touch with me offering right. me stuff so it's like you know wanted wanted to leave all that behind so that was like fairly obvious and instantaneous but then there was other things like you know attitude to money uh, mm. attitude to sex uh, the way that I uh, thought about career uh, all of those things like you know they took years mm. years you know for God to sort of grapple with um, and yeah that was that's a journey yeah. so I think faith is is a journey and as you say we do celebrate the events and scripture celebrates those mm-hmm. boundary events and life is made up of those boundary events you True. know the, the 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 big events that have a big impact but they are as you say uh, you know, there's a journey up to them, and then they sort of, you know, the journey carries on afterwards. Exactly, exactly, and 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 that's the message that, that I would love most people to to kind of understand. You know, it's like when you go to the gym for the first day. You know, you, for you to expect change within that first day is, is unrealistic, right? Yeah, it's this constant. So um, it's this constant kind of mind shift of like, okay, this is going to be a long game. I, I, I will see the change, but it's yeah. going to come day after day after day of yeah. consistency and commitment. And I think that's very similar to this Christian life that we live in. And even yeah. the journey from being an, a non-believer to a believer is kind of a similar journey. So um, yeah. I think yeah, it's very important for people to kind of realize that. Um, and then obviously within your journey, yeah. you're now in this leadership position. Um, and I guess a question that you might not get often, but... When you first stepped into leadership, was it what you expected it to be, or was it a bit different than what you signed up for? Oh, so I'm a leader, right? I kind of yeah, like I'm an yeah. old I'm an oldest child, and so I tend to take charge and I tend to lead stuff and I tend to make stuff happen. Uh, and so then when I got my, you know, when I started in the workplace, I kind of like, you know, I didn't find it hard to take charge of stuff and to lead in a particular way. I think the um, the shock in church mm-hmm. first. The, I remember the first time I had a conversation with some with in, like saying, "Oh, you know, could I be involved in uh, you know it was something fairly low level? I can't even remember sort of very much what it was. It was could I be involved in doing something in a church service?" Mm-hmm. And I remember the pastor who was like leading that church, really wise, really godly man still in touch with him really love him uh, and he said maybe we might just hold off on that for a bit until you've sorted out that issue that we talked about the other day <laughs> and just the idea that like character was like really much more important than I'd ever realized mm. uh, and was much more important in church leadership mm. um, that was kind of like the first mm. thing so that was that was a real difference and then the other thing is um is it's is just the way that leadership is 
I don't know, the model of the, the kind of the values of leadership in church. First of all, you've got the value of service yeah. and like, you know, servant leadership, which is um, obviously that that's people talk about that a lot. And that on one level looks really attractive in our culture, but on another level, no one wants to do it. Mm. Um, and then the um, the other kind of um, strand that feeds into leadership is that is that churches, uh, you know, it's a family, it's a household, right. and so it's like it's more like the leadership of a parent in some ways right. than it is the leadership of a you know. It's not like being the CEO of a company, right. and I think that shift. It took it took a long while for the penny to drop because I'm quite good at being the CEO of yeah. a company or, mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. or a business or a charity. I can do that. Yeah. But actually, you know, I've never seen in my own kind of family life yeah. what it looks like to lead a family. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, seeing, you know, uh, I, that's that's been that's been that's been tough. It's been a challenge, but God's yeah. been really good. So. I was about to say it, it would it would have to be you relying on someone who's done it before for you to actually know what it looks mm. like to do it properly because obviously mm. you just said right you didn't have that experience so therefore you had to rely on yeah something completely different um and and that was and that was god for you and yeah i, I, lo- I love that kind of shift from kind of having a corporate mindset uh to then having this this church like biblical church mindset of how to mm. lead people um, and, and where that would get to but obviously that's much easier said than done right and I'm assuming that you had to go through your trials and tribulations to get to where you are now um, and, and speaking of that you know it, it begs a question on, on conflicts mm. um, for example conflict in the church because you, you know you do deal with different characters who have different beliefs mm. who are maybe scrutinising you more than mm. you deserve um, and yeah as a leader how do you how do you manage all of that yeah yeah um the you know when you read uh the new testament you read ephesians especially i'm loving ephesians at the moment right. but ephesians especially but it's everywhere once you start once you sit once you start to see this you see it everywhere and that is um the unity of the church it's like jesus you know at the end of john's gospel that's what he's praying for like that mm. they may be one as as he, just like him and the father are one uh, and then paul comes along and says you know there's one lord there's one baptism there's one church there's mm. one faith mm. the unity of the church around that is just so important uh, and the, why is it so important it's important because we're meant to we're meant to be image bearers of god uh, and god uh, the trinitarian god is is diverse and different in uh, three parts but also unified like mm. working completely together and that's meant to be us uh, so that's like super important. That's that's the why we that's the why we're bothered uh, about this, um, and it's we expect it to be hard. You know, Paul doesn't just say, "Hey guys, unity is really important." So <laughs> off you go. Right. Uh, you know, it's going to be. Uh, he says, "Bear with one another." He says, "Look out for each other." He says. Uh, you know look out for the weaker brother um, mm. it's kind of like all this stuff about how we, we it is going to be hard work bearing with one another you know you read uh, Corinthians and all of the conflict in that church and Paul says you know yeah you could eat stuff that other people don't disapprove of yeah you could um, you know wear clothes that other people find difficult for you to deal with but why don't you just lay down those rights and look out for them instead of standing on you know what you think you're entitled to so it's it's dif- it's difficult you know because mm. we're broken messed up human beings in a you know outside of the garden of eden it's like life out here is pretty tough right yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and it's pretty messed up and um conflict is just an integral part of human life but one of the things i always say you know is if there isn't conflict in church then we're probably not close enough to each other Mm, Uh, i think i think our culture says conflict and then go conflict and go conflict and go it's like reconcile 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 i'm Mm. like even the most you know difficult person i'm always kind of like okay how are we going to reconcile what's the pathway to how we're going to reconcile mm. always it's um and it won't be easy and it won't be difficult yeah um but you know we're both going to have to bear with the fact that we you know we're not living in our fantasy church no. we're not living in our fantasy family yeah we're not living in our fantasy community yeah. it's like it is what it is and that's great yeah no 100 percent. i think um 
I, th- I think the church is sometimes when I when I when I sleep and I I think about the dynamics of, of, of churches and and how the congregation can operate within it. Um, and one thing I always find so fascinating is that like, every everyone has has something to say um, about how the how the church should be, mm. but then sometimes they they can't even get the fundamentals right. You know, and by the fundamentals, I'm like like loving your neighbor. Mm. You know, and I I think if you can't get the the love right and mm-hmm. um, then how can you expect all of these other things that you mm-hmm. want in the church right mm-hmm. um and i guess where wh- i'm alluding to this is in the church full of so many different people so many different beliefs mm-hmm. um, and so many different attitudes as to how the church should be how does that kind of affect you as a leader in leading those different types of people how do you navigate that mm. Mm. I think, I mean, like you say, it's a, um, there are lots of different, you know, lots of different points of view and lots of different uh, things that people believe. I think all of those things, we kind of like, there's something that comes over the top of those. uh, And that is, that is, you know, when Paul says there's one Lord, there's one baptism, there's, you know, there's one church, one ecclesia. Mm. It's kind of like, we're all kind of gathered together in God's family. So it's about, treating our differences and divisions as family issues to be sorted out do you know what i mean mm, 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 i know mm. people do walk away from their family members now yeah um but you know 20 30 40 50 years ago people didn't walk away from family members you just hashed it out somehow yeah. you know you got to some kind of a compromise and yes you have to make decisions and the decision won't suit everyone yeah but we live with that because it's family do you know what i mean yeah. it's kind of like that's just what that's just what you do um I don't expect to, you know, it's like I live in a house, me and my wife, we share our house with lots of other people. There are decisions that are made that I, do you know what I mean? They just, they're not, what, they're not the way I would decide to do things necessarily sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. It's kind of like, I'm not going to, you know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's a real, for me, I've learned so much um, just through sharing a house with so many other people. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, you literally just have to deal with the fact that people want to eat different food. Yeah. People want to eat at a different time. Yeah. Uh, they want the heating on at different times. Yeah. Uh, they want to watch telly all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. It, it, yeah. It, all of the stuff that, you know, you just, and you just, you, ca- you can't find, you can't, you just have to work that out. And mm. sometimes you don't get what you want and it has, that has to be okay. Yeah, I um, think the key word that you said was family. You yeah. know, and I think that 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 word has changed a yeah. lot um, yeah. over the past couple of years. We're yeah. we're seeing due to the fact that culture is becoming so individualistic, yeah. we're losing touch of our collaborativeness and our community yeah. um, centricity. And I just I saw, I guess from from your point of view, this this whole word of family, um, how how do you think? How do mm. you see it has changed over mm. the past couple of years? And what do you think it should actually be? Mm. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because yeah. in the West, in particular, you know, the the idea of being joined to people like uh, in unconditional relationships um, that never go away is that's sort of got dissolved to the point where it's exceptional when that happens. Mm. You know, that idea that you're and and also our patterns of life you know basically you get to 18 you leave home mm. it's like when did that that become a thing mm. do you know what i mean mm. for everyone it's kind of like it's quite exactly quite strange in yeah. other other cultures it's this is a this is a weird thing you know the idea that you send you send your children off and then that's it they're done <laughs> uh you know there's no it's like in other cultures they you know or if they do go away they come back you mm. live together extended families lots of my Bangladeshi neighbours they've mm. got three generations four generations living in one house wow. um, you know that's not unusual yeah. um, but we just don't do that so much and I really think um, that's where our culture has kind of separated from um, the sort of the household family community which is described in scripture mm. and I think yeah I think some recovery of that is like is is needed in the west uh, in the western church if we're going to thrive mm. so that sense of community of absolute commitment to community is like i'm here i'm with you guys this is what's happening and we're all going to do this together um i think if it's if all of our relationships even in church are like conditional and provisional until we get fed up and move on 
there, there's, that's not church. Mm. I think I'd, yeah. go, I'd go so far as to say that it's a um, that's the way the world does relationships, you know. And also, we live in this, um, you know, it's, there's there's something about history and about time which in our culture is like, uh, you know, is I don't know, it's just a bit strange. It's like this idea that we can constantly make a fresh start mm. and constantly clean the slate. And I get that that's sort of come from Christian ideas of forgiveness and, and, and uh, you know, the whole Christian thing of being... like All of that is fantastic. And, and you know, I don't want to diss that. I don't want to lose that. But, you you know, if there's only so often that you can move to a new city and start again with new friends and get get to know them as well as you got to know the last... And actually, by the time you're, like, you know, in your late 30s, early 40s, I think that's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, but that's the myth is that you just carry on. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and again, that sense of sort of groundedness, family belonging in a particular place, uh, you know, in a particular area is a. Uh, it's really interesting going back to my my wife's parents who like live still live in Essex, right? Still live in the same house that my wife grew up in. Okay, uh, and it's kind of that's it's just there's something kind of really. I don't know, just really positive about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's really grounded, yeah. exactly, really grounded, really solid. It's like they they own they 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 they're a part of the story of that whole area and yeah. the Christian faith in that area, and their church was in that area and all the rest of it. So no, I think it's such an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you can understand people trying to get away from their family, right? Yeah. Because there's there's this like bad. Um, people have been traumatized maybe or yeah. people have bad memories attached to the family so they're trying yeah. to get away from that completely yeah. understandable but then on the other hand it's like you know you don't choose your family sometimes like no. you like it's it's been picked by uh, for you by god yeah. and i think we need to understand that a bit more and we need to practice that in our day-to-day lives like when we when we meet friends and when we have you know, one or two conflicts. It's, we shouldn't then, you know, be like, oh, this is not my person. I can mm. never relate with this um, person again and I'm going to just get rid of them. But rather, we should maybe embrace that conflict because conflict is part of family. You know, yeah. I don't know any family that's not had any conflict. Um, so I think, yeah, this is, this is where the church should maybe come in and kind of mm. showcase what that looks like to culture. Because yeah. a lot of the time what we're seeing is that culture is becoming the spokesperson for for life yeah you know we look at what culture is doing to dictate what we need to do yeah and i i don't think that's ever been you know scriptural um i I don't think that's very wise uh, because i think culture is easily corrupted yeah um so yeah my question to you is when it comes to church versus culture um what do you what do you think about that 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 little battle and, Mm. and, and the balance between both yeah, I think I think culture, when it talks about family, it's really it's talking about two things. Mm. Uh, it's talking about a friendship group, mm. uh, so a elective friendship group, so people like me that I've chosen to be with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is one thing, and that's you know the myth the myth of friends that and we and we'll all get on and we'll have good times together and you know it'll all be fine. Um, and then the other thing is the um, uh, you know is a sexual relationship, mm. like which is like you know which which i'm not committed to you know which i'm which is just like it's that's working for me now uh and that's that's kind of you know going to be how i'm going to live for now until it stops working for me uh but that's not neither of those things are really family that's Mm. the problem and of course children don't you know don't don't feature very much there at all that you know no one would say that that children or that fruitfulness mm. to use a scriptural term are a central part of family but but fruitfulness is a central part of what it means to be family in scripture it's right. like you invite other people in uh, it's the spiritual fruitfulness and biological fruitfulness and they're both a part of family uh, it's kind of um, it's just really key it's at the centre because otherwise it's just all about us uh, and all about our good times with our group of friends or our good times with our chosen partner or partners yeah. um, and that's uh, that's that's not family it's not family it's just not strong enough I'm not I'm not you know if people are doing that I'm not not saying oh you're doing something wrong it's just not something that's solid enough to build a life on yeah uh, it really isn't and it's not it's not um 
you know, in terms of thinking forward into the future, it's like it's it's you 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 were you know human beings were built for more than just you know maybe my what forty or fifty years of productivity. Mm. You know, we're built for eternity, mm. and that starts now. Do you know what I mean? In terms of thinking about what's my impact going to be on the next generation and the generation after that, my children and my children's children, and that's the sort of time scale that God, I think, wants us to get our head round. For, for family that's and powerful. church yeah no that's, that's powerful and I think that's the mindset that, that we're losing mm. you know e- even like away from uh, scripture and away from the bible like, just looking at history mm. there was always this emphasis on bloodline right there was yeah. always this emphasis on the generation mm. like providing for the generation that is to come yeah. and I feel like we're, we're just losing that mm. you know that, that's something that, something that we're losing oh yeah. exactly no completely I mean even you know again I don't want to take it I don't have you know, politically, um, I don't think politics is going to save the world or save <laughs> anyone. So I'm equally critical of all politicians and equally supportive of them because it's a really tough, you know, thing to do to run a country and I'm not sure I'd do a better job. But, you know, when we're kind of, um, you know, putting in place measures that are making our lives easier and are going to cost our children's children billions and billions of pounds in debt, Mm. that to me says we are not that bothered about mm. our children and our children's children because we are not thinking about the impact on them yeah I mean it's it's a it's a weird one right because yeah we do place a lot of importance on our politicians mm. and um, and our and our government but like you like you rightly said they're not going to save this world no. there's only there's only one answer to that question yeah um, and speaking of children, you know, there's there's this um, conversation happening um, within the the women of of our twenty mm. first century church mm. um, that are saying that they can't even think um, about children due to the gender ratio, right? Due to the fact that there's not enough men to actually yeah. start families with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just gonna give you the floor on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, do you, what, what do you what do you think about about this? Uh, this dilemma that is forming. Yeah. No, it bothers me. Um, it bothers me a lot. I would say if there's one thing that I constantly come back to, like in prayer and um, in, you know, thinking about what difference can I make, it is the gender the gender ratio in the Western church. And it is only the Western church. It's like elsewhere in the world, this is not an issue. Uh, historically, there's some debate as to whether this, how long, how far back this goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people see a gender difference going back to the 18th century. Um, uh, yeah, some people um, uh, say that that's not necessarily that. Basically, there's other factors that we need to take into oh. account that would make it look. So, so you know, if 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 uh, when when work was kind of divided differently. Um, women might have been freer to attend Sunday gatherings, mm. but that didn't mean that men were not necessarily engaged in Christian faith, yeah. uh, potentially. But it's who knows yeah. that where we are now is yeah. you know our church, lots of churches like ours, sort of seventy thirty uh, is not an unusual ratio, sixty forty, those sorts of ratios. So you're, that, that's women to men. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I think it's yeah i mean i think uh there's a few things that we need to think about that is um first of all none of this has taken god by surprise Mm. that's really important it's kind of like um you know i think this isn't uh that this has suddenly come out of left field for god uh and this is really you know sort of like he's going like oh my goodness you know you need to do something now to get the men in and that will sort it all out i think I think that we do need to do something about the men uh, and we do need to think about strengthening, thinking about male discipleship and thinking about how we disciple men and thinking about how church, you know, looks attractive to men. And I think, um, I don't think this is just about church. I think lots of our culture is increasingly easier for women to function in. Uh, And, um, you, you know, I think the shift away from manual work uh, and uh, manual trades towards like office-based and hospitality-based work, which is our whole economy, uh, relies on you know character traits like agreeableness. Uh, that that statistically, you know, women have are more likely to be able to engage with than men. Yeah. So stuff like that. Um, 
so I th- but I think how can church do something different I think is challenging uh, and uh, not really obvious because the models that we've got are you know really models of kind of that the hark back to an age when there was a clearer sense of you know what it meant to be a man and what it meant to be a woman yeah. uh, and what that looked like in practice and so you know the men have like men's breakfasts and the women do something else I don't know what they do because I'm not there um, <laughs> but but it's like it's, it's or, or you know they play football or they do yeah. stuff like that yeah. and it's that's okay but that's not enough for discipleship do you know what I mean that's not enough for like you know getting married having kids uh, raising a family um, you know, doing a job that maybe isn't your first choice job. There's just so much in our culture that pushes against that for mm. men in particular. Mm. Uh, that I think that's that's a real that's a real um, that's a real struggle. That's a real struggle for men. So I would say that's really hard. This hasn't taken God by surprise. And so then you have to then you have to say why why are we in this place um, and what can we do to put it right? But also what is God doing through this? Uh, and um, you know, at key points in church history, women—you know—I mean, again, Paul says in Scripture, he says uh, that if you're single, this is not a bad thing, and we need to celebrate singleness. Uh, we need to celebrate the fact that when you're single, your life can be a hundred percent devoted to God in a way that it can't be when you're married. So, when I was single, I was single as a Christian for thirteen years, I think. Um, and I was, man, I like I don't know how I did it. I did because I had a full time job, and I did everything that I do now. You know, I sort of like I led in church, I preached, I ran groups, I ran Alpha. It's like all those things just did them all on top of everything else because I had all of that time. Yeah. Uh, and now I have to think about my wife, yeah. which is exactly right. You know, I have to think about what we're doing together and how that relationship is and what she needs and. Um, uh, and that's kind of you know Paul says you know that's that's the difference between yeah. being married and and being single and being married and being single they're both you know they're they're both uh, ways of pointing people to God in different ways. Mm-hmm. So one day you know Jesus will come back and we will all be married to Jesus, mm-hmm. as in he will be the bridegroom, his church will be the bride. Uh, and we'll all be so we will all be married one day Mm -hmm. even those single women they will be married Mm -hmm. um and um i won't be married to my wife anymore Mm -hmm. you know marriage um jesus says you know that 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 marriage is is temporary as we know it Uh, you know it's it's for this life only uh and so you know, I'll be single one day in, the, in that sense and totally available for Jesus and, and that won't be there. But, you know, so I think in terms of, you know, what we're looking forward to, yeah. it's kind of like both of those things are kind of, you know, there's not a sense that one is less than the other. I, I get that there are some church cultures where one thing, one is valued more than the other or one is celebrated and the other isn't celebrated and, and we just need to be able to, and that's, you know, we need to be able to celebrate all of those things together and do life together um, a whole lot better. But my question, if, you, if, if people are single, is, is what is God doing? You know, because what is God asking you to pour your life into? Because you, you have got a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy and you could spend that, you know, watching Netflix and going down to the pub and doing all sorts of other stuff. Uh, or, you know, you could really be investing in, like, making a difference for the gospel. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, that would be my, that would be my, that would be my, what, why is God doing this? It hasn't taken him by surprise. Yeah. And women in church history at really key moments have, have like, been evangelists because they can, they're less, you know, they can go from door to door. Uh, if you, if you as a, or me as a bloke, if we go knocking on people's door, you know, if the bloke knocks on my door, my first thought is, oh, is something wrong? You know, what's up? You know, you know. Whereas if it's you know if it's uh, the, if it's uh, you know one of the women from the street, it's like I know that you know it's it's like I have no idea what it could, it could be right. anything, you right. know. But it's it's like it's usually they get a more positive reception, and yeah. so evangelism is easier through women. Uh, women have been amazing prayers as well. Uh, so like you know the prayer life and the way that that's been fueled by armies of praying women yeah um that is kind of huge and you see that in a lot of the revival movements as well wow so so (laughs) you know maybe god wants us freed up all of the you know the single women for you know evangelism for prayer for uh, all of that i'm not saying that he has yeah yeah, yeah, you know uh, that's not really for me to sort of 
this eye no, or, to, or to, to sense what that calling might be. But my sense is this is not an accident. Yeah. And if the church is in this place right now, it's because God wants to use it for the next stage. So. No, and that, yeah, that, 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 there's a lot in there. There's a, there's a, there's a lot in there. I think the general... Pushback, is he? Pushback. I, 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 I will, I will. I think I have to. Yeah, no, the... the, the um, just to kind of agree with a couple of things that you did say is that, yes, you we have to, in points where we don't know what's going on, we have to ask ourselves, like, what is actually God doing? You know, like, why has God put me in this situation mm-hmm. as opposed to what is wrong with me or mm-hmm. as opposed to what is wrong with the church mm-hmm. or what's wrong with the leadership? We have to look inwardly um, and see where what God is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my, my, my pushback is, do you think that, you know, you're only saying those options because you already have the married life, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You're not in the, the, the lives of the single people in the church who would argue that they have done the evangelism day mm-hmm. or they are still mm-hmm. doing the evangelism. They're mm-hmm. still part of the prayer team. They're still, you know, channeling that energy into things um, that the Lord wants them to channel them uh, to. So, yeah, my pushback is, do you think that you're only saying those things because... You know, you have the married mm. life, um, mm. as opposed to you don't really know what it's like to be um, a woman in a yeah. you know seventy thirty yeah. generational church. Yeah. No, I mean, I've spent most of my Christian life as a single, 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 single man, not as a married man. Uh, most of, most of my life as a Christian, I've been single, mm. um, and. Uh, there's no sense at all that I look back on that time as, oh, you know, that was the really awful time and now at last I'm married and it's all fine and fantastic. There's no sense of that at all. Um, and obviously that gets more and more distant and obviously um, to be the church that I was in was probably more 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, yeah, that's just the way, that's just, that's just the way it was. So I didn't ever feel that sense of... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't ever feel uh, I, the, the the gender balance was never something that sort of like struck me particularly because the actual church that I was in was roughly fifty fifty. So, right, right. Um, uh, so that was kind of like never a thing. I think for me, it does make it really as a church leader, it makes it really important um, that I listen to uh, and put around me, you know, voices that are that are that are you know coming from places that I wouldn't necessarily automatically identify with and that goes for a whole range of things um you know so it's kind of you know right at the heart of our church council is something called the standing committee which is like this tiny little group of about six people and that is you know there are there are I think free married people on that and free single people uh there are you know uh, people in different places of life there's an equal balance of people you know from who are uh, from white ethnic backgrounds non-white ethnic backgrounds mm. it's kind of like and it's kind of like it's not that's not tokenism that hasn't happened sort of like just because um uh, you know we've we've wanted to do that but but it's it's happened because we've we, i've i've tried to intentionally be open yeah to the to the possibility of people who like are, are living life through a different prism and a different mm. sort of like a different coming from a different place to me and to be honest it's not that it's not that hard to do that okay. it's like you know the new testament is mostly you know i mean sort of huge chunks of scripture are written by people that are single you know by single men um and you know i get and i really appreciate the you know the passion and the energy and the drive that that uh, and the you know the relentlessness if you like that if you're single you can bring to something and you can bring to these issues as well which you know again people that are married and have got you know six kids it's like yeah, yeah. They don't it's have like that same broccoli for tea. Yeah. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's like it's a whole different zone. Um, so so yeah. So I think putting those people around me, making sure that I'm listening to them, uh, and I and and I think reinterpreting, you know, or reflecting back to people some of the cultural narratives around singleness uh, that we take on. Uh, which is that, mm. and particularly in the church where we're talking about singleness and celibacy together. Mm. And if there is one thing that our culture has a negative 
perception of it will be single celibacy you know that's not going to be valued at all it's not going to be seen as powerful as living your best life now as any of those things whereas scripture says you know this is amazing you are kind of freed up now for this amazing experience of God and this complete commitment to you know these amazing relationships in church it's like it's a whole whole different ball game I, I would say that was the big if I had to pick one thing um on becoming like when I became a Christian I would say uh, the one thing that sort of surprised me was um, was celibacy because right. it just looked crazy yeah. from the outside. You know, no offense to to yeah. anyone there who's you know, but it looked crazy from the outside. I think Christians don't realize how crazy it looks, mm. and um, uh, and eventually. Uh, you know, this guy came alongside me. I was still sexually active. This guy came alongside me and just said, "Hey, Darren, this isn't what we do. When we follow Jesus, we don't we don't just have sex with people. It's like we, you know, we just don't do that. Yeah. It's like and explained, you know, why why that wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Um, and that was amazing. I'm really grateful to him. I wish more people were brave enough to do that because mm. uh, then, you know, essentially what that did um, is very quickly it just freed me up to have like better friendships and relationships in church I suddenly found that I had lots of men and women around me who were friends where there was no agenda yeah uh, of uh, you know and and other than we're going to do church together and that the, the world doesn't have that yeah you know that's gone uh, and it was amazing it was absolutely amazing really yeah. mind-blowingly amazing it's, it's, it's interesting, right, because it, it, it took for him to say kind of a, like a real ballsy thing, you know, yeah. uh, to you, for you to then be open up, right, for your mind to, to be like, okay, yeah, I need to change up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just find it interesting that, you know, even though that was a reality in, in your life, do you think that you are showcasing that same level of ballsiness within the mm. church mm. you know when you go on that stage knowing you have that platform knowing that people will listen to you mm. are you willing to go that extra mile to talk about the topics that culture doesn't want to hear you yeah. know you were talking about how celibacy looked crazy you know mm. that's just one of many topics <laughs> you know in in the bible that that looked crazy but that, that yeah. need to be heard and yeah um, as i'm sure you know there's a lot of people um out there that are yearning for mm. more of a okay, look, we get that God loves us, you know, we, we get, um, you yeah. know, Jesus died for our sins, but like, what does that look like? You know, what does that mean? Like, what are some of the harsh truths that mm. we need to know mm. um, out there? So how do you kind of respond to people, maybe maybe saying that um, some of the, the, the preachers are, are softening up um, yeah. to match culture, for example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think we have. <laughs> Uh, I think we, I mean, it comes back to what we said earlier about sort of lots of our social spaces and workspaces are much, are much more, a much higher level of agreeableness is expected in them. Um, so we're expected to be able to, you know, get on at, at, on a surface level. Um, whereas, you know, for lots of men in particular and some women, it's like, you know, disagreeing is not the end of the world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and I was one of them. It's like, to be quite honest, I'd sat in talks uh, where I'd been told all those things. It had absolutely no impact on me. I was just like, you know, it didn't had no impact. I mean, to say, uh, it, you know, I was, it did nothing. But it wasn't until that one-to-one -one conversation happened uh, with this guy called Mark, and he just sort of like said, "Hey, you shouldn't be doing this." Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and it was it was just. Uh, and also, he was like, you shouldn't be doing this because it's actually much more important than you realise. Uh, and he took me to 1 Corinthians and said, you know, you know, where Paul says, if you have sex with a prostitute, you're joining your body, you know, you're, you're becoming mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he said, every time, you, every time you're having sex with someone else, you're taking the whole church to bed with them. It's like, he said, like, it's like, that's, that's, that's the whole Christian, you know, theology. That's, that's how we view sex. It's kind of like you're integrating that person into church life in some way. So that's why, you know, you don't do it like that. And it was, that was fine. It was like, it was full on and it was, a, it was heavy. Um, I think you're right. We have, we, I, and I, I started by saying we have, we have sort of like gone to more, a more sort of agreeable tone. And on one level, that's okay. Uh, I think we've sort of partly done that because the alternative uh, has been, um, has been, um, 
to be quite honest, the, the only other voice that I hear the church speak with is is a modernist voice. So it's like, so it's it's very intellectual. It's kind of like this set of opinions is wrong and this set of opinions is right. And actually, people just do not think like that anymore. Right. Like that's not how they divide the world up. Uh, so do we probably need to raise the bar in terms of being able to present things that are going to give offence? I think we probably do. Mm. Does that mean? Uh, getting up you know on a Sunday on the stage and saying this is what we think about this this is what we think mm-hmm. about this sometimes yes but most of the time no it will it will be much more it will need to be much more integrated mm. than that and much more holistic than that what does that look like what does that look like that looks like um that looks like personal conversations right. that looks like uh conversations in smaller groups that mm-hmm. looks like conversations that that individuals in church are braver to have it's like not always delegating that responsibility it's like you know as a leader I'll say hey I will support you in your Christian sexual ethic (laughs) do you know what I mean to live out a Christian life however you want to or or in your financial sexual ethic financial ethic rather or your you know however you want to do um, like relationships or money uh, or families or housing like do them all uh, like from a scriptural place I'll support all of that but I, I, you, I can't, you know, just literally, it, it, the, the, the best way for that to happen is not for me to sort of speak that uh, continually from the stage because that has very little impact in yeah. our culture, very little. Um, it's like I, all it does is gives you permission and I'm happy to do that mm-hmm. from time to time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that can't become the sort of consuming thing. Because uh, people, it's, to be honest, it's just, you know, as... as in terms of, we started with church leadership um, and you know one of the challenges of church leadership is that the whole thing about leadership and authority yeah. is not well is not something that our culture loves or enjoys True. and so you know just putting stuff out there it's like it always has to be with a very open you know even when you're presenting something that is true uh, and that is godly, and that is scriptural. It's kind of always has to be with an open hand, yeah. and you always have to give people permission to reject it, because yeah. otherwise, uh, you're you're just. And that is it, that is a cultural thing. But hey, Paul did that in you know in Athens, and yeah. Paul did that in Corinth, and Paul did that in Ephesus. You know, he kind of like he presented stuff, but he sort of negotiated with their culture about how they would receive it. Paul also empowered a lot of people, right? You yeah. Know, your, your Timothys and, and a couple of, 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 his, uh, of his followers. Mm. He, he, he empowered them mm. by teaching them the, the principles and the truths, the harsh truths, um, especially, you know, first and second Th- uh, Timothy, um, to then kind of go out there and, and fulfill his mission. And I guess... You're right, you know, it shouldn't be down to you to take upon everything mm. and for you to be the only voice that people need to listen to because that's a responsibility that I don't think is fair. Um, but then at the same time, you can distribute that that, yeah. that responsibility to people within the yeah. congregation. So yeah. how are you empowering, yeah. um, you know, key key members of the congregation to go out there and have those one-on-one chats or those small intimate group situations where they are able to um, facilitate an environment where they can um, talk about the harsh truths and and to go a bit deeper when it comes to you should do this, you shouldn't do this. Mm. Mm. How how do you think you can navigate that? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is in like that taps into the whole area of discipleship and the Western church is not very good at discipleship. It's like we've just not been very good at it. It means, you know, we we aren't, haven't been very good at, at the sort of close, um, committed relationships in family. So family's broken. And without that relationship, you then sort of lose the right to speak into people's lives because you're always thinking, oh, if we disagree, we have to fall out yeah. and walk away. Um, yeah. uh, and so then when it comes to equipping people, um, it's kind of like, you know, we fall back on sort of secular really sort of secular models like training and and stuff like that which isn't wrong but that's not discipleship you know discipleship is you hang out with someone who's doing it already or Mm. who's doing it well Mm. Uh, so the first thing is i try and hang out with people 
that are going, that are leaders or potential leaders uh, in our church um, and spend time with them. And the 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 point of doing that uh, is to talk about like how how to do life following Jesus, uh, and also to encourage them in the stuff that they're doing already. Mm. Um, and uh, I think the other thing is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a, again, it's a model. It's recognising, you know, Paul says, uh, gives us that amazing picture in, again, in Ephesians 4 of like Jesus, uh, you know, as, you know, Jesus obviously carrying out his ministry on earth, like doing everything, right. all the healing and the sharing the good news and welcoming people into God's family. And then obviously, you know, um, you know, crucified, dies for our sins, uh, is buried raised again and then the bit that the western church always misses out which is the ascension uh, it's mm. all like and then he goes to heaven and what does he do on the way he distributes gifts right yeah Paul says he yeah. gives gifts to the church because he's a, he's the king of the universe now so he's distributing gifts like this generous king uh, and the gifts that he gives um, are for the um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers and what is their role is to is to equip the saints the holy people of god for the work of service so to do it's like so the idea is that everyone is meant to be playing a part getting on board mm. doing their thing seeing what god's called them to using the spiritual gifts that god's given them whether that's in the family whether that's in a particular workplace whether that's out on the street you know wherever that is we need all of those different gifts and different different ways of doing things we need them all um, and the role of the people who have particularly been blessed with those gifts is to equip the other, is to equip mm. everyone else. So that's what I try and do. I try and pass on the gifts that God's given me as liberally and as freely as I can. Um, and I have got lots to learn in doing that better. <laughs> Very humbly said. No, I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more that we all have a part to play. Mm. You know, coming to church on a Sunday, listening to a talk and then going home. That that's not. I I, yeah. I think I think there's more to uh, to the Christian life, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. than, than than just that. And um, yeah. I guess to to bring this all the way back home, um, you were church leader, right? So you know, church is always on your heart. Um, where do you see the church going? You know, in in the next in the next couple of years, whether that's five to ten or fifty to a hundred. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you see it going the way of everyone feeling that empowerment and feeling more in touch with God and the gender ratio becoming 50-50? Or do you see it more as the end times are coming? Mm. Um, there's going to be a bit more more, more crucifixion, more persecution, more um, of this conflict that we, yeah. that we talked about. You know, what, 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 what are your kind of sentiments towards, towards yeah. the future of the church? I mean, I know I've said this a lot, but I think the gap between like culture and church, you know, we're coming out of Christendom, so where everyone was a Christian. Uh, and, you know, you could assume that Christian values and Christian um, standards and Christian worldview and Christian narratives were understood, shared uh, and all held in common. And, and whether you think that Christendom started falling apart in the 18th century or whether you think it happened in the 1950s, it sort of it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's history. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's gone. So... And, and, you know, I think we are in a season where things are getting more difficult, like worldwide. I think, think we're, we're kind of like we were sold a story that things were just going to get better and better and we were going to get richer and richer and the world was going to get more and more peaceful and, you know, the end of history and all of that kind of stuff and, like, liberal democracy would triumph everywhere. Uh, and that's not happening. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, you know they're not going to save the world um, and um, so things are getting harder and um, that's that's the reality and lots of the things that we thought and that we know are amazing uh, we find that they come with you know some negatives which is the same with all kind of technology and all medicine and all those things they're positives but they also come with costs so we live in a world which is kind of increasingly difficult and challenging uh, and hard to navigate and all of the technological stuff and the internet and the you know streaming media and we're just at the beginning of that really that whole information revolution that is kind of like that's you know if we think this is you know we're we're at the beginning we are, you know, with regards to the sort of technological sort of revolution, we're at the beginning of that, if you think about it. You know, the internet, when did the internet happen? Early 2000s? Yeah. 
uh, like maybe 1990 something, I can't remember, early 2000s, let's say. Um, and you think like the Industrial Revolution, when did that start? You know, you could say invention of the a beginning of the 1800s, yeah. exactly. And the difference between 1830 and 1930 was massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. massive. And I think that's the space that we're in. I think, you know, 2000, you know, to, to, to you know, to, to, um, to, to 2000, what, to 21, you know, 2000 to 21. Uh, so by the end of this century, I just think the world is going to look like a completely different place. And that's going to impact church. Yeah. Uh, and I think particularly the church in the West. So the church is growing everywhere except for Western uh, Western democracies. So yeah. by Western, I mean, I basically mean all of our, you know, Europe and North America mm -hmm. and Australia and, you know, everywhere Western culture has been. That those the Church isn't growing at all. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think for us, uh, we're going to be smaller. There's mm -hmm. going to be fewer of us and we're going to have to learn to live as a minority. And mm -hmm. as a number of people who are much better speakers have, have said to me, people like John Tyson and, and uh, uh, John Mark Comer, you know, have both pointed out that, you know, we are going to need to learn to live as a minority and to be creative in that space uh, and to live in a way which kind of reflects the things that we really believe a whole lot more strongly. Uh, and the other thing that we'll need to take into account is that the culture will continually be trying to evangelize us mm. and to make us disciples of whatever it's currently doing, which is like some version of radical individualistic consumerism. Like that's yeah, essentially yeah. what it's going to be doing. So we're going to have to be able to be much more resistant uh, much more clear about what we're committed to. It comes back to all the stuff where we've talked about, about families and all of that, um, and commitment and uh, clarity about what we stand for, uh, all of those things. Uh, and um, and it's going to be harder. Yeah, I think it's going to be harder. But, you know, God's good. And the church flourishes at times like this. Yes. So that, There's hope. <laughs> uh, more than hope, absolutely. Where's the church growing fastest at the moment in the world? That's a real question. <laughs> Do you know? It's yeah, like, no, people, people never have a guess. Have a guess? Have a guess, have a guess. The persecuted countries. Yeah, maybe. it's persecuted countries. It is. It's Iran. Iran, yeah. Exactly. Wow. Iran. The church is going fastest in Iran. It's kind of wow. like, it's just like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't paper. make sense on paper <laughs> at all. But there they are. And uh, um, they're doing fantastically well. Church in China are doing really well. You know, again, we don't, it's really hard to get actual numbers out of China, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. seems to be doing really well. Mm. And it's persecuted, persecuted. So, you know. Hey, maybe, unpopular <laughs> opinion, but maybe that's what we need. We need like a persecuted church in the UK. <laughs> in order to see some growth. Um, exactly. Yeah. That could be, I think that's where we are. But I think it's an yeah. opportunity to go deeper, uh, to get better at inviting people in. Um, and yeah, the challenge is that it will be harder, but hey, I'm up for it. Hey, I love that. <laughs> I love that. No, that, I think that's a great way to, to kind of pivot. And um, it's funny how history always repeats itself, you know, from the first Christians being a minority, yeah. you know, and, and, and being um, persecuted to then it becoming the majority. Um, and then now we're seeing that we're heading to that minority again, but then we all know that when we get to heaven, everyone's going to be Christian, right? So it's just, it's this interesting loop of, of events happening. Um, I definitely believe that this conversation was uh, enlightening. Fantastic. Uh, and I think that people will definitely gravitate um, a bit more towards, you know, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a leader, um, and seeing how they can play their part in, in culture today. I like what you said about not allowing culture to evangelize, you know, to us, because that's dangerous. And that's where we see the world growing. Um, I guess, yeah, to wrap up, I know it's a bit unconventional, but would you mind praying? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've ever done this before on the podcast. But Have you not? I don't think so. This is the first time. I've done podcast prayer. <laughs> yeah, I've done over 40 episodes, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, we can do that. We can yeah, do that. Whatever's on your heart. It's just talking to God. Let's, let's, yeah, wherever you are. Uh, if you're listening to this, you might just want to, like, just pause and uh, I don't know whatever you believe but uh, we're in the presence of the God who created the entire universe uh, and he wants to meet with us he loves meeting with people he loves human beings that's why he made us and so Father God we thank you for this time together 
we thank you for all the ways uh, that you bless us with uh, so many good things thank you for the conversation with Izzy yeah. and thank you for your church thank you for the amazing family uh, that your church is thank you that is the place for uh, renewal and refreshment the place where people get saved and restored uh, thank you that is the place where we can be authentic and real about who we are and what's hurting and what's broken and what's messed up and thank you uh, that you don't leave us on our own, but you send your Holy Spirit uh, to help us uh, to be church family together. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Darren, always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you been so great. much. Yeah, no, it's been a very good episode. And um, yeah, we might get you back on again in the future. I'd love to. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'll catch you on the next episode of Speak Your Truth. Take care.